Go for it, mate. Am I on? Oh, I'm on. There we go. Sound. Um, I'd like to start by uh, just bringing some testimony, actually. Just want to give glory to God. Um, so, some of you know that uh, me and Ellen are expecting our first baby. Um, she hasn't just been putting on weight, she is pregnant. And uh, during the process, some uh, issues came up with sort of size. We had a measurement at the midwife, and then we went for a scan, and the fluid levels had gone right down. So we were like, oh, don't really know what that means. So then we had to go in for ongoing scans, and then one of the scans showed that it had gone down to two centimeters. And at that point, you have to have steroid injections and stuff to get the baby ready for coming out prematurely. And so a little bit worrying, a little bit startling. Um, and then after those injections, we had to go in every day for observations, heart rate checks, and stuff like that. So anyway, we got people praying, uh, trusting God, and we had one scan where we prayed, Lord, let the fluid levels come up from two. Let it be something like five. And so we prayed that, and we went in for the scan, and the fluid levels had gone up to five. So praise God, one miracle down. Uh, but still had to go in every day for observation, the heart rate stuff, and all that. So we were being prayed for by a few friends, and one of our friends said to Ellen, no, we're not just going to pray. What, what specifically, what do you want? And so Ellen was like, I want 10 centimeters. So prayed for her, and then we went for our growth scan, and they'd gone up 10 centimeters. So we want to give God glory for that and praise him, and the baby's grown a bit and everything's going well, and now we're looking like we're going to be going to full term. So I just wanted to publicly give glory to God for that and praise him for it. So there you go. And, uh, and that's just been the feeling, hasn't it, through our time of worship, just the faithfulness of God, uh, how he's above everything and beyond everything, and yeah, he is. So today we're going to be looking in John. Uh, we're mainly going to be looking at John 10, uh, 1 to 21. Uh, but actually, the, the context of those verses really is from verse 9. Uh, and in verse 9 of John, we see the story of a, uh, a blind man being healed. Uh, and he'd been blind from birth. And Jesus makes some nice saliva mud pate and puts it in his eyes, the man gets healed, the man then goes off telling people, there's a bit of a hoo-ha between him and the Pharisees, if you don't know what a Pharisee is, a Pharisee uh, was one of the religious leaders of the time in Israel, and Jesus had quite a few run-ins with them in terms of uh, them contesting what he would say, being argumentative, grumbling against them and so on, um, and they were kind of more like self-appointed leaders of Israel. They weren't necessarily leading the people of God toward God, uh, but kind of implemented some of their own rules and regs. So anyway, this blind man who got healed, he'd got into a bit of a uh, discussion with them. It's a great story. I love the attitude of the blind man through that. So do read verse 9. It's great. He's just like, yeah, whatever, I'm healed. Um, and the verses that we're going to read really follow on from the end of that. So at the end of uh, chapter 9, uh, from 9.35 to 41. We're going to read from there, and that will then lead us into uh, what we're going to look at today. So, John 9.35 to 41, and then straight into 10.1 to 21. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. So this is the, uh, the blind man before the Pharisees. 
And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You've seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him, near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door, uh, by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If, any, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So, quite a long bit of uh, scripture there to read, but an interesting encounter between Jesus and the Pharisees. Now, the big picture here, and the reason that we started in verse 9, is that Really, this is leading us to two options. We're presented with a question. Jesus is saying, who do you think I am? That question comes to us today. Who do you think Jesus is? And in these verses, we're presented with two options. Jesus is either insane, he's lying, he's wrong, or Jesus is God. He's telling the truth. And that puts you in one of two different camps, one of two different people groups. Those who are redeemed, 
who are redeemed by, by what Jesus has done and those who are not, those who are heading for eternity without God, depending on what you believe about Jesus. And in chapter 9, uh, at the end, as we read, we see a division. We see that there's the blind man who, when asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? He says, I believe, and he worships Jesus. And there are the Pharisees there who contest Jesus. So the big picture today is really me asking you, who do you think Jesus is? What do you believe about him? What do you believe about what he's done? And that has a big impact on your life. So we'll get into the verses. And in chapter 10, 1 to 6, we'll start there. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, uh, the Jewish people who were around him. And here he's wanting to give them an opportunity to hear him again. He tells a, a parable or uh, a, a, what they call like a, a figure of speech as he uses. And the images, imagery he uses in this parable, he doesn't actually explain. But as we go through it, I think we, we're safe to make a few assumptions on what he's talking about. So in verse 1, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter uh, the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So a little bit of a slap in the face to false leaders, to people who are self-appointed. Verse 2, but, it, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. I think we're safe in saying that was Jesus. The gatekeeper, the, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So, gatekeeper could be God. And the sheep that have been talked about there will be the people in Israel who believe and worship God. And it, he is specifically talking about them. But actually, later on in these verses, we see that Jesus opens that question up, that, that reality up for all of us. So my prayer is that you also are included in the sheep. And... There's an intimacy there, isn't it? They, they know, he knows them by name. He knows each one of his sheep by name. Verse 4, when he has bought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep will follow him, for they know his voice. So unlike a normal shepherd who would probably go into the fold and drive the sheep out from behind to get them moving, Jesus leads from the front. There's a, an intimate relationship that's going on there because the sheep don't just recognize him by sight or sort of are familiar with him, but they, they, they know his voice. And, well, I had a little bit of experience this recently, not quite as dramatically, but I got a new phone and I put on Facebook recently, you know, can you please send me a message with your name in it? Because I'm not quite clever enough to be able to transfer all my contacts over from one phone to another, not tech savvy enough. So doing the old school way of typing them all in again. But anyway, in the meantime, before I got all my contacts back, which I still haven't, by the way, please text me, I'd love to know your number. Um, I got phone calls, and so a number would come up, I'd be like, all right, I'd answer the phone, and it was quite interesting to see how quickly am I going to recognize this person's voice, and for some who were, who were very close to me, it was immediately, you know, hello, ah, yes, it's whoever, I'm not going to name names, because there were some who I answered the phone to, and it's like, Awkward. <laughs> um, and literally for about five minutes of conversation, just thinking, yeah, the small talk's great, but this is giving me no clue of who you are, and I'm just trying to wing it. So here we see that the followers of Jesus have an intimate relationship, a strong 
bond with him and they recognize his voice. A stranger they will not follow, verse 5, but they will flee from him, for they, for they do not know, his, know the voice of strangers. Again, another slap in the face, if you like, to false leaders, those who would be self-appointed because their leading is false. Verse 6, the figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So a little bit of a sad bit at the end. You'd have hoped the Pharisees would have softened their hearts and listened, but their eyes were still blind. So this first parable that Jesus uses gives us a general picture of Jesus gathering his flock. And what he goes on to do next, I suppose you could see in a, in a, in a few different ways or ways of thinking about what Jesus does next. You could say that he then goes on to explain the parable. Um, but actually he doesn't refer to the same imagery that he uses in that first parable. But he does go on to explain why Jesus is gathering the flock and how Jesus gathers the flock. But I think there's also a little bit of Jesus almost making it more difficult. It's almost a a weirder picture to kind of get your head around. It's almost more difficult to understand when Jesus goes on to use these next uh, illustrations. And... You could, you could think, oh, why, why is he doing that? You know, what's going on? But actually, Jesus had done this before. And again, has a bit of a run-in with some Pharisees. Uh, John 6. In John 6, we see uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000, and then we see some walking on water, and then Jesus does some teaching on him being the bread of life. And if you read through what Jesus teaches there, he, he says some stuff. Then the Pharisees have a little bit of a grumble moan. He says it in a different way, in a more exaggerated way. Grumble and moan. And then he says it in a way that is incredibly startling and almost grotesque for the Pharisees to be able to hear it. And he says in John 6, 53, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. I think that probably exasperated things a little bit. He takes it up a notch in terms of how he's communicating that truth. So that's what he does here. I believe he's explaining it, but I also believe he's, he's bringing an edge to it. He's bringing a challenge. He's wanting to say it as it is. He's wanting to bring a stark reality of truth. And so he goes on to say that he's the door. But hang on a minute, Jesus, that's, that's different to what you were saying before. I thought God was the door or gatekeeper or whatever. And then he goes on from that and says, but I'm the good shepherd. Now the argumentative and sort of sniffy intellectuals will look at this and say, this is, this is not good imagery. You, you can't do this. It doesn't work being a door and a shepherd in the same parable, in the same sort of illustration. Jesus, are you stupid? Are you mad? You can't be both. It doesn't work. But I think, remember what I was saying earlier on about different ways of responding to what Jesus says? I think if the blind man was listening in, as Jesus was saying this to the Pharisees, I think he would have had a little bit of a different reaction. I think the blind man who just received healing would have been like, you know what? Jesus, tell me. Tell me how you're like a door. Tell me how you're like the good shepherd. I want to hear it. There's a willingness, there's, there's an open heart, there's a desire. 
two different ways of reacting to what Jesus says. So verse 7 to 10, we see Jesus explaining why he gathers the flock. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus saves. It's got a very familiar well, sort of sound to it. There's a little bit more of a famous verse in John 14, 6 that, that we probably all know. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes uh, to, no one comes to the Father except through me. Very similar feel to it. There is only one way. <laughs> Jesus is the only way. He is the door. It is only by him that we can come into relationship with the Father. There is no other religion. There is no other seeking of God that will bring you salvation. There is no one else to follow. It's only through Jesus. So we all need saving. But why he saves us? Why he gathers the flock? Well, it's amazing. He wants us to come in and out and find pasture. He wants us to have life and life abundantly in its fullness. There's such a contrast between everything else that really, in reality, is going to lead to destruction and what Jesus presents here by him being the door. Jesus wants to protect us from that. But we don't just come to Jesus and we don't just follow him because he's good. We don't just believe in him, but actually we become worshippers of him. That's, that's the why. We become worshippers. As Dan was saying earlier, we become in relationship with the living God. We bring glory to him. As he leads us in and out into pasture, as we know what this life abundant really means. It's not about your material life. It's not necessarily about what you have or don't have or experience or don't experience. Like just recently, we were going through a bit of a rough time thinking, oh, is baby coming? Had Jesus stopped being good? No. Had I had less access to pasture? No. Same access. In Christ, we can know peace. In Christ, we can know security. In Christ, we can know joy. In Christ, we can know true fulfillment. In Christ, we can know true purpose. In Christ, we can know eternity secured for us. In Christ, we can know healing. In Christ, we can know provision. In Christ, we can know deliverance. In Christ, we have life and life abundantly. I haven't got time really to go through everything, all the blessings that we receive in Christ. I would probably be here till doing this sermon till I die, and I still probably wouldn't do it justice, and you would all probably have wanted to go for your lunch. The reality is, the why is amazing. He wants to lead us in and out. He wants to give us pasture. He wants us to have life and life abundantly. So, Verse 11 to 18, how does he do it? 
How does he gather the flock? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, but I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, not because I, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This is the charge I've received from my Father. Amazing words. As I've been sort of preparing this, um, God's just been speaking to me. And I've just again and again sort of come back to the point that I'm his own. That's amazing. And, and, And he's mine. And not just in a way that is trivial or like a human relationship. No, comparable like Jesus and the Father. That's been striking me again and again as I've been preparing this. And how he does it is amazing. He, he lays his life down for his own. This is how Jesus feels about you. He's willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for you. That's how he feels about you. He loves you that much that he's willing to die for you. But what good is a dead shepherd? The dead shepherd can't protect the sheep anymore. (laughs) If he's going to lay his life down, how will he protect us from the wolves? It's a good sentiment, yeah. Actually, all of us here and here have authority to lay our own lives down. But Jesus has a different type of authority. He knows the authority which which he has. And I would have loved to have been there when Jesus makes these remarks. I would have loved to have seen the look on the Pharisees' faces because what he's about to say is outrageous. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. That is absolutely outrageous. Who is this man that can claim to have authority like this? It's no surprise that in verse 19 to 21, there's this. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and he's insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus is either insane or he's God. My friends, if he's God, you should know something. He did lay his life down and he did take it up again. He's made a way for us to be reconciled to God. So, are you a worshipper? 
Or are you a blasphemer? Do you know his voice? Or are you still deaf? If you're a worshipper, the appropriate response this morning, short sermon by the way, the appropriate response this morning is worship. We're going to come and we're going to worship. And in that moment, in that place of adoration, in that place of giving glory to God, you can know pasture. You can know life and life in its, all of, in its abundance. And I believe that that's what he wants to do for you today. As you come before him again, knowing this totally intimate, amazing relationship that Jesus has made a way for you to know with the Father, to know pasture, to know peace, to know his provision, to know healing, to know all that he has for you, to know what he has called you to, what he has called you into. You can know that as you come before him and worship today. And if you don't know him today, open your ears. Open your ears and hear him call you, that you might come into the flock. That's the invitation that we've got for you. So, rushing Tom as he's just quickly looking for a song. We're going to respond. So if you want to stand, I'm going to pray. Mm. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord God, we... Lord, we come before you as your flock. Lord, we come before you as those you have laid your life down for and taken it up again for. Lord Jesus, you have made a way for us to come before the Father. Lord, we can have our sins dealt with. We can be forgiven. Lord, we do not need to run out of the pasture. We do not need to run away from the garden, the place where we're with you, just like Rachel was sharing earlier. Lord, you, Lord Jesus, bring us in and out. You, Lord Jesus, give us life and life abundantly. And so, Lord, as we come to worship you now, Holy Spirit, I ask, will you come? Will you come and will you bring pasture to those that need it? Lord, will you come and remind people of how much you love them, of how much they are your own, that you have the authority, that you have won them, that no one can snatch them from your hands. Lord God, help us to know the intimate relationship we now have with the Father through the Son, that we are invited in, that we can know miracles and blessing and peace that we can know in the good times and in the bad times you do not change we can know that with our success and with our failure your attitude towards us does not change you are the good shepherd you are the good shepherd lord you are the only good shepherd and so holy spirit i do pray right now Lord, for those who don't know you as the good shepherd, who don't know your voice, would you open ears this morning? Lord God, would you soften hearts? Lord, would, they not, would there not be people in here like the Pharisees who have their own agenda, who, who claim we can see but can't see? Lord God, 
Will you come and save this morning? In Jesus' name.